0: Thank you, choir. Grateful for the invitation to be among us today. Uh, Thankful for Simon who decided this was a good idea. So if things go wrong, please uh, find him and do something to him. When we were children, we were encouraged to say our prayers at meals, and especially at night before we went to bed. Sometimes, if we had good enough parents, no parent is perfect, just good enough, or who are religious, or in our case, Christians, they might even pray with us. They may, again, if we are lucky, know some prayers that they pass on to us, and each night we may kneel and pray and ask for blessings on our kin and sometimes even on our pets and dolls or trucks if you're a guy, all in good order. We eat our food and go to sleep believing all is well with the world. And that is perfect. But only if perhaps we are three or five or even seven years old. Saying our prayers is a good thing after all. That is, until Jesus, according to our passage read today. He must have been doing something strange to have his disciples take a second look and ask for prayer aid. So before we explore what he was doing and why the disciples asked and what he taught them about prayer, shall we turn to God for illumination? Will you pray with me? God of all grace and love we your children gather this morning in praise and worship and in prayer that you will shed light on your words to us and quicken our minds and our hearts to hear you and to obey for your glory's sake amen The average Jew knew how to pray. Meditation was part of their tradition. It was woven into their everyday life. They paused to pray from time to time. And the righteous Pharisee would even let God know he was not like a pagan sinner. He prayed three times a day and fast. Remember that guy? who went to church and told God, look at me. He does what fulfills the requirements of Jewish law. The psalmist would cry out evening, morning, and noon in distress to God. When we follow the story of Daniel, we find that he makes prayers at the same times of the day, morning, afternoon, evening. Fixed prayers, wrote prayers, saying prayers. But the Jews were not alone in praying that way. The religious people in the Mediterranean cultures prayed similarly. The Muslims do the same. You hear the calls to prayer. And then there was more. The pagans who worshipped many gods would not only say their prayers, but offer the same words over and over again, almost like incantations. They would add various gyrations with their incantations, as if they were coaxing their gods to act on their behalf. And many of you may remember the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Things got so bad they were cutting themselves in a frenzy as they uttered their incantations. Elijah had to suggest that they get louder because their God bow may perhaps be in the washroom. It's not called private for nothing. No disturbing. And moms with many children know that sometimes it is the best spot in the house to have some quiet some peace that was how the Jew and the surrounding pagans prayed in the day perhaps that is how we pray too. oh God, oh God, OMG, OMG breakfast, lunch and dinner three times no prayers for the many snacks in between they have nothing to do with God and fasting what kind of creature is that So with this kind of visual for prayer, Jesus' attitude and form of prayer may have been different enough to attract the attention of the disciples. In the other version of this story, also in the Gospels, they wanted to learn to pray the way John's disciples prayed. Apparently, John the Baptist had taught his followers how to pray. And so, Jesus' disciples wanted in on the action. So Jesus gives them steps to prayer in bite-sized portions. It was one of those eat this, not that moment. First, acknowledge God's fatherhood. Oh, I know a few feminists have had a field day with this concept of the fatherhood of God. But did you hear about the Southern Baptist old man who said, if the KJV was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me? You missed that. It is almost like that with me. Jesus called God Father because of what is signified in that day. One was nothing without father. Father was everything. Sons are next because they become fathers. You and I, because of our cultures, understand that, right? To say father meant you had security with a capital S. You had someone who didn't just have your back, but your front and your sides. And what is not to hallow when you get that? And then you can ask for more of who he is to be spread all over the world because you've experienced what it means to have security with a capital S, front, back, sides, and even overhead, covered, encapsulated, In this one, you called Father. All because he is Father. Our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom explode. And from that analogy of Father, you can come and ask for daily sustenance. Give us each day Our daily bread. If you can't ask, then you don't have a father or you are not a son. And if you don't get that, you're in deep trouble. Everybody should get that. It is as easy to get it as the nonsensical examples Jesus offers for those who still doubt. You have dad, you just go and ask. You rush in minus your shirt and say, dad, dad, dad. You don't get that? So Jesus gives them examples. Example one, the illustration of the visitor at night. To get the real point Jesus is making here, you have to transport yourself from a tobacco to a village in Galilee and remove the image of several rooms with a hall and a basement and a man cave and replace it with a one room with a dirt floor where everyone, including sheep, live, eat, sleep. If you think even your studio apartment, you miss the point. Hospitality is key here. In a culture where inhospitality is anathema, the worst form of sin, of inhumanity, the message would be clear to the hearers. The greatest antisocial act is not road rage on the 401. I don't know where the 401 is, but I've heard about 401. It is not road rage on the 401, but not seeing and meeting the need of a neighbor. And no, you may not offer to pay for their food in the next restaurant, however posh. In that culture, you have to step over wife and children and a few sheep and offer bread and see this request was not even for the sake of the troublesome neighbor in need, but someone removed from them that you don't even know from Adam's cat, if you met Adam in the day. And you are expected, implored, to answer that request at midnight just when you were hitting the sweet spot of your sleep. And there is more if this illustration won't work for you. How about you, fathers? If your son were to ask you for the flesh of an animal from the sea, would you give him the meat of a snake? I hear there is uh, lunch after. Or if they asked you for an egg, would you offer a scorpion? Or if they asked you for bread, would you offer stone? You see, this is the point. You may trick them with the flesh of a snake for fish, a scorpion for egg, and stone for bread. These are stables everywhere. You go to the grocery store, at least you might buy an egg and some fish and some bread. In the Mediterranean, it is so easy to mistake one of these staples of life for the other. The eel and the snake would look the same. And the egg and the scorpion would look the same because in that day, they had white scorpions, not the black ones. And they were so big, and if they folded their tails in, they looked like eggs. They were in abundance. And if you get past the sliced bread in your grocery store, Loblos, Metro, and thought of the hand-formed gluten-free baked bread in an old-fashioned swish oven, you can see how a stone can imitate bread. Bread. So you might come in from the field after a hard day's work and sit down to dinner and it's only after your two front teeth are out and you can't even fathom that because you've been bitten by a snake and stung by a scorpion that you realize you have been tricked and you wonder, dad did that? No way. Jesus is saying, even evil fathers, sinners like all of us, know not to mess with food in a desert where land is sparse and a good meal is hard to come by. When hunger strikes and you see a meal spread, you want to sit down and eat quickly. Plus, it was Dad who set the table. Jesus is saying, if human beings don't do that, won't do that, then you should not dare think that God, the Father, from whom all of us get the concept of parenthood, would do that. We just happen to have come through our parents. There's a bumper sticker I've seen somewhere and he says this very well. Please drive carefully. Many people are caused by accidents. But God knew you and loved you before he made you. Known and loved before. He made you. If your earthly father is dreaming good things for you, what school you go to, what job you have in the future, what house you may live in, what your children and your grandchildren will become, and dreaming and plotting and saving and doing all of that, then your heavenly father is dreaming bigger, sweeter things for you. And he's saying to you today, child, I am not a trickster. Even evil fathers are not. So come and ask. Come and seek. Come and knock. You ask for the taking, anything. Oh, and please don't tell me about how many unanswered prayers you have stored away. Wishing is not praying. Hoping is not praying. Slapping thy will be done at the end of a wishy-washy prayer, just in case God doesn't answer it, you may say is His will. That is not praying, either. It's just a cop out. Do you remember the story Jesus told again about the man who came to bother his friend at midnight? When he came to his friend, he did not have a backup plan. It was that this friend provided the bread he wanted or nothing. What is nothing in Korea? What is the word you use? Okay. You're on your own for that. I was going to put that in. <laughs> nothing. If his friend didn't give it to him, there was nothing. There was no way out. This was it or nothing. When a child looks to the father for food, bread, daily sustenance, he's not asking why he's also expecting to go out and fend for himself. But friends so often when we ask for anything of God, including daily bread. We have a backup plan, don't we? At the least we have a few loonies and toonies and we can go to McDonald's or Tim Hortons and get something off the dollar menu, yes? So we come and ask out of politeness. We say our prayers, we don't really pray. To pray is to beg, to beg in earnest, to ask, because this is it. If you don't give me, there's nowhere else to go. You have to hold on to God's skirts and tear his bra off and say, it's you or nothing. It is either given or we don't have anywhere to go. Have you ever prayed? Or have you said prayers? And is it because you don't trust God to come through because you think he's more wicked than earthly fathers and would trick you and give you what will snuff life out of you rather than give you life abundant? For that is why Jesus came. Your parents may give you biological life, but Zoe, life abundant, winsome, that which makes the world wonder what's up with you, that Jesus gives. When was the last time you prayed and prayed boldly? Brothers and sisters, when you come to pray, to ask. You are home. You are not a second class citizen or immigrant or what they call alien who has to tiptoe around the corridors of heaven. Jesus has given you your birth certificate and a key to come and go. His very name. A person was nothing but their name. If I say Simon, we know you can take that to the bank and cash it. You can count on Jesus. When you knock, all you hear is, and come and ask. Come and seek. Come, get your pleasure. And I'm not talking about the brazen sense of entitlement that we find in so much prosperity gospel teaching and charismatic prayer these days, claiming, aiming, no. The kind of prayer that asks for large worldly goods as a means to score points on being blessed by God, no. As if God was some braggadocious potentate who needs to prove his mettle. And that is what is so blasphemous about prosperity gospel. So now I'm looking like I'm overdressed for this church looking at all of us. Any attention-seeking rich fool can give you a Bentley or buy you a jet. And they get points for every time you tell someone who bought you that jet and who gave you that Bentley. That's not our God. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying God can't or won't do such things if God wanted. But the how and the why he would do such things, they matter too. God doesn't need to prove himself to anyone, and he won't do things on command or demand. At his lowest, he has a simple dandelion which you probably walked over before you walked into this sanctuary today, besting Solomon in all his finery. So what is Giorgio Armani, Louis Vuitton, and all those other people? Have you seen a blade of grass and looked closely at it? All those fashion designers are blah in comparison to just what God has done with a blade of grass. So God can do infinitely more than we can see or understand. So please don't insult him by getting impressed with so-called big things that he's done. It's in his nature. Who gets impressed when you sneeze? But to be involved in the daily grind of your life, Like daily bread. Moment by moment care. Changing diaper. Cutting your hair. Carrying you when you are tired. And if you think only moms and dads do that, you haven't read your Bible very well. Hey, I'm the Lord your God. I saw you naked and filthy screaming, wallowing in the blood of your mother, and I picked you up and cleaned you up and called you my own. And I am your God, O Jacob. I will carry you even to your gray hairs. Oh, please Google it and prove me right. Go on, Google it. After church, I'm asking. At least one of those is in Ezekiel. In my language, we call God the filthy nursing mother. Have you seen a nursing mother lately? All that gooey stuff on their shoulders. Now they put a diaper thing on there to prevent it from, you know, and they're always smelling of things that they're children. That is our name for God. If this is God... And if this is your father, why do you say your prayers instead of pray? This is the God who is not too big to answer little prayers, nor too low to answer big prayers. The God who knows and has anticipated your need before you know it and even start to clear your throat to ask for it. But you have to know you're coming to a father and to come with a beloved child's attitude. There's nothing you cannot ask for. The choicest thing in heaven has already been given for you. In a few moments, we will gather to eat the bread of heaven. So what's on your heart? As individuals, and what is on your collective heart as a church, don't say your prayers. Pray. We are all lamenting the decline of the church. Don't say your prayers. Pray that the Lord of the church will send his Holy Spirit upon his church and bring a revival. That he will start the work in you and I and in all of us. Don't say your prayers, church. Use your legacy. Jesus could have left you lots of things. But this is what he left you. A key that can get you anything. Use your legacy. Pray.